Um, we're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 4, okay? And this is our fourth G. So glorify, gather, grow. The fourth G is give. We want to be a church that gives. Now, let me take the money thing off there. Because it's not about money. It's partly about money. But it's much, much bigger than just about money. We want to be a church that gives. And I want to start by thinking about um, people who are very gifted. That's, quite, that's language you hear quite a lot, isn't it? You hear it in schools. The gifted and talented children. Yes, there's the gifted group. Or you might hear about adults. You know, they're, they're a gifted individual. What do, we, what do we mean by that? I, I think that makes me nervous because it makes me wonder if I'm gifted. I wonder if you describe yourself as gift, gifted. Are you one of the world's gifted people? Or are you one of the world's ungifted, <laughs> lacking in the gifted area? Fortunately, I found a website that uh, had a list of things to help me understand if I was gifted or not. So this was good, okay? This is genuine, all right? It, it, this is someone who's researched this. This is what is true about gifted people. So this will help you to work out whether you're gifted or not. And then maybe we'll all change seats. We'll have the gifted people on this side and the, the ungifted people this side. Maybe it, it may just work out right, as it is at the moment. Uh, <laughs> gifted adults have a heightened capacity to appreciate. I don't know what that means. So let's go. <laughs> gifted adults crave interchanging ideas with other gifted adults. Can you believe people write this stuff? Right. This is, this is my favorite. This is what makes me think I might be gifted. One of the most outstanding features of gifted adults is their sense of humor, which differs from others and consists often of subtle jokes, intricate teasing, or puns. Gifted people often find that their jokes are received with silence <laughs> because they are not understood. I find that a lot. I think this could be me, right? Gifted adults are often confronted with the problem of having too many abilities in men too many areas in which they'd like to work, discover, and excel. And this, this is the one. This is it, okay? This nails it, I think, for me. Gifted adults may have a small circle of friends or sometimes only one. <laughs> Isn't that brilliant? That, no, someone needs to ride to her and say, look, no, that's not gifted. That's like loser. <laughs> anyway. So look, we get all het up about giftedness and we talk about wanting to be gifted. And then we tie our value to our perceived giftedness. How gifted we think we are becomes how valuable we think we are. Because actually, when our culture says someone is gifted, that's not what they mean. What they mean is that they're valuable. It's weird language, isn't it? If you don't, right, this is the question I always want to ask when someone say, talks about someone being gifted. What, gifted by who? If you don't believe in God, and if we're a culture that doesn't believe in God, it's a nonsense to talk about someone being gifted. Gifted. They're just lucky. And yet even in our language, we can't get away from God because he's written into the very DNA of who we are. Right, here's, here's what I want to show you this afternoon. I want to persuade you this afternoon. If you are trusting Jesus, I want to persuade you that you are a gifted Christian. You are gifted. Now, 
And no, if you've been around church at all, you go, oh, yes, I know, all Christians have been given gifts. Look, I want you to try and park that cynicism, right? I want you to understand you are genuinely gifted by God. I've got two main things I want to show you. Here's the first one, okay? Gifted Christians are the result of the gift-giving God. Gifted Christians are the result of the gift-giving God. The reason that all Christians are gifted Christians is because we have a God who loves to give gifts. And if we say, I don't think I'm gifted, we're denying the very character of who God is. Because he gives gifts. And he loves to give gifts, and he gives good gifts to all of his children. Here is one one of the most simple and profound truths about the God of the Bible. He is the gift-giving God. He loves to give. He's constantly giving. Do you know, that's what sets him apart from the idols. Okay? Think about the idols that people worship. Okay, think about the idols that people worshipped way back in Bible times, when they'd make a statue. And they'd carve a little statue for them. And then what would they have to do? They'd have to carry it, right? They'd have to pick it up, carry it with them, and then plonk it down again. They'd have to feed it. They'd need to look after it. Idols are constantly demanding, grabbing, taking And the Bible, time and time again, says that is not what our God is like. Our God is not a grabbing God, a demanding God, a taking God. He's a giving God. He gives, he gives, he gives. Here we go. Here's a clear statement of it, okay? This is from Acts 17. Listen to this. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth, and he does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. Idols are very, very demanding. But God gives. Can you feel the force of that? He gives. It's such a beautiful, wonderful thing about our God. That's his very... Nature. So listen, if you have a view of God that is demanding, if you have a view of God that he's wanting to take from you and he's always making demands of you, can I tell you, you're not worshipping the God of the Bible. You're worshipping an idol. Because that's what idols do. The God of the Bible does not make demands upon us. Look, you would be rightly suspicious of a boyfriend who was always taking and never gave, wouldn't you? I mean, wouldn't you be... You'd be a mug, wouldn't you, if you were going out with someone and they all they ever did was took from you? Never paid for anything? Some of you are like, oh, that's a good point. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Uh, because part of the nature of love is to give, right? And if you're boyfriend never gives anything if all it is demanding demanding you need to get out of there you should be suspicious and you should be suspicious of any god who only takes from you you should be suspicious of any system any religion any church that only wants to take because that's not the god of the bible the god of the bible gives 
That's why the false gods that our world is so infatuated with are so lethal. Take the god of sex or the god of money. These are the gods that our culture worships. Do you not see that they just take? They just demand more and more. You need to work harder. You need to do more. You need to buy more stuff. You need to be more attractive. You need to be more sexy. You need to have better clothes. You see, all the time, demand, demand, demand. That's what idolatry is like. That is not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible gives. Idols give you nothing. He is the gift-giving God. Everything God does is giving. I love this. I, hope, I, I, I want you to be excited about this. Stuff. I want you to see how cool this is. Why did God create the world? Because he's giving. He didn't have to. He wasn't forced to. He gives life. He gives food. He gives beauty. All the time. He's giving. All the time. And then most supremely, One of the most famous sentences in the whole of the Bible says this, For God so loved this world that he gave. He gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God gave his son. He opened his hands and gave us his son. He's not a grabbing idol who wants to take He's a God who pours out his love, opens his hand and gives. This is so important. I think we worship a God. I think we have a wrong view of who we worship. Too often we see him as this grabbing dictator. But there's more to say here under this point. Okay, I I really want to push down into this now. And this is going to just push us a little bit deeper and make us think a little bit more. Because our, our culture wants to drive us down a road which is wrong, okay? Our culture wants to shape us into thinking, and it's a subtle thinking that sneak, sneaks into our church. And that is, they say, okay, fine, 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 God gives, God gives, God gives. But giftedness is still equal to value. That when someone gives you something, it's because you're so valuable. So when someone buys me a present, why does it feel good? It feels good because it makes me think, I must be valuable because they gave me a present. There must be something about me which is okay because they love me. Now I want to tell you, that is a mistake. That's how humans think, right? When we give gifts... We give because we see something valuable in the one we're giving to. It's a responsive thing. We see what we like and we give to it. That's where the boyfriend illustration is wrong. Because boyfriends give gifts to the one they love, to the one who's beautiful to them. He doesn't go around giving gifts to any old thing over there. He gives gifts, sorry, women, girls. He gives gifts to his Girl, he gives gifts to the one he loves, the one who's beautiful to him. So we think, wow, if God gives me gifts, I must be so valuable. 
I must be worth so much if God was willing to give so much. Here's a really subtle thing, okay? This is, and, and I, there, there was a song that I used, that, that, there's lots of songs that pick this up, but there used to be a song that went around churches a long time ago, back in the 80s, before you were born. And, um, and this song said, how much do you think you're worth? And it said, you can tell how much you're worth by how much someone's willing to pay for you. Jesus was willing to give his life for you, so you must be very valuable. That make sense? Now, I get why that sounds lovely. I think it's wrong. That's a worldly view. That's saying, I'm valuable because look how much God gave. But God does not give because I'm worth it. God does not give because of my value. His giving is not responding to my worth. It is proactively giving me worth. This is so revolutionary to how our world works. Now that must be true because the brutal reality of the Bible is that I'm not worthy. I'm not a valuable thing in God's eyes that he says, oh look at John T, he's so fantastically wonderful. In fact the Bible says I'm an enemy of God. Now yes I have some value as one who's created in God's image and yet I've turned away from him. I've taken his gifts and I've forgotten him. By nature, I am not valuable to God. By nature, I am an enemy of God. It's the serious condition of the human heart. The fact that Jesus was prepared to die for me doesn't show me how valuable I am. It shows me how extraordinary His grace is. There's a big difference. I deserve God's anger. I certainly don't deserve His gifts. And yet still he chooses to give. Okay, get this right. Human love finds things beautiful. God's love makes things beautiful. I give to what I find beautiful. God gives to what is not beautiful and makes it beautiful. Can you see the difference? You see, otherwise we go around saying, look how worthy I am. Look how precious I must be. Because God gave his son for me. No, 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 no. It's not that. It's look how worthy I am. Look how precious I am because of what God has done for me. Now you may be saying this is very subtle and you're probably right. But I want you to see the depth of God's grace. God is the gift-giving God. It flows out of him. He's so generous and overflowing with grace. And it isn't that he simply gives grace to save me. Have a look down at um, 1 Peter chapter 4 verse... Oh, we've got to it. 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 10. 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 10. Look at this. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Do you see how it's not just that God's grace saves me. God then gives gifts to all of his people. He gives us 
responsibilities. He gives us gifts. He makes us people who can serve Him. He gives gifts. And I want you to know this afternoon that if you... If there's anything about you which is good, anything about you which is useful, anything about you, any abilities you have, anything, they're gifts from God. It stops us from becoming proud and full of ourselves, doesn't it? It must be because of how great... No. It's because of God's grace. So that is why all Christians are gifted Christians, because God is the God who gives all the time. He's giving. That's my first big point. And if you're sitting here thinking, well, I don't think I'm gifted, you need to learn the character of God. Don't look at yourself and say, oh, well, where are my gifts? What are they? Look at God. See his character. See his beauty. And as you see him, you'll begin to discover the gifts that he's given you. That's what we're going to know. Here's my second big point. Gifted Christians are God's grace delivery service. Gifted Christians are God's grace delivery service. Delivery is, um, is big business these days, isn't it? You know, delivering stuff. If you're Mr. Tesco and you've got a big thing, shop full of food, and there's lots of hungry people, they can come and get it. But now it's all about delivery, isn't it, right? It's how do I get this stuff to the people, the hungry people? You know, that's, that's kind of... So what you do is you get a fleet of drivers and vans and you pack the stuff and you put it in the van and then you entrust that food to the driver. He becomes a steward of the food and then he delivers it to the hungry people. Okay? That's just how it works. That's, sorry, this is obvious, right? This is how delivery works. Well, how does God's grace... So here's the God who's full of grace the gift-giving God. Here he is, so full of grace, so beautifully full of grace. How does his grace get to the people who need it? Does he just kind of spit it out? You know, what does he do? How does he get his grace out? We'll have a look at this again. Verse 10 again. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. How does he get his grace to people? By means of stewards. He has a team of delivery drivers who have a van and he loads up the van with grace and then he says, right now, you drive your van of grace and deliver it. He gives grace. Trouble is, we, this word steward is a bad word now in our culture, isn't it? Because we tend to think of people on an aeroplane or we think of stewards sitting at the side of the football pitch trying to stop people running on the pitch. You know, steward is the idea of a manager. Someone who's been given responsibility. Someone who's had things entrusted to them. It's a position of trust and responsibility. Look, here's, here's something to illustrate it, right? This is a story Jesus told, okay? This is what it means to be a steward. This is God's grace delivery service, okay? Jesus said, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. So you get the picture, right? Wealthy man, 
going on a journey, what's he going to do with his money? He's going to leave it with his servants. That's quite a big gamble, yeah? What does that show about this master? Well, it shows he's generous. It shows he trusts. He wants to involve his servants in the work. And they each get a responsibility. They each get something to do. They each have a bag of money, or five bags, or two bags. And the beautiful thing is, do you see, that he knows exactly what each of his servants is able to do, to deal with. He gives them money according to their ability. He doesn't load like a one-bag person with five bags, a burden that will crush them. He knows. He knows what each of his servants will be able to do. And so he says, right, you, you take five, you take two, you take one. There's a beauty in this master who loves his servants and who entrusts, if you like, fills up their Tesco van with bags of money. So I want you to see, if you're a Christian, then this is a story about you. Jesus is the man who's gone on a journey. He's returned to his father. He's died on a cross. He's risen from the dead. He's gone to his father. What's he done? He's entrusted his work to his servants. To which of his servants? To all of his servants. How much has he given? Well, depending on their abilities, he's given different amounts to each person. He knows his servants. He knows what he wants. But each one has been given something. Each one has been given a gift because he's the grace-giving God. And therefore, he gives gifts, right? So... All of us are gifted Christians. He has given it. Now, why has he given it? Well, he's given it so they can use it. So here we go. Have a look at the next bit. The man who received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more, but the man who'd received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. What are you supposed to do? When the master gives you money, entrusts money to you, what are you supposed to do with it? Use it. Right? You're not supposed to park your Tesco delivery van in a garage somewhere and forget about it. If you've got a... If you're a delivery driver and you've got a lorry full of food, you are responsible... You're supposed to take it to the hungry people. (laughs) That's... That's how it works. And here is Jesus who gives responsibility to these guys. And the first one, look at him. He goes out, puts his money to work and gains five more. Now, do you notice that little word, he went at once? Do you sense that this man was like, oh, God, I'm do some work now. so annoying. That demanding Jesus. Isn't this, the, isn't this the, no, this isn't demanding. That little phrase at once gives the impression that this guy was eager. He was like, wow, look at this. He trusts me. He's given me work to do. How cool is this? He's the best master in the world. He's so wonderful and glorious and he's given me work to do. I'm going to go. I'm going to go and use my money. Use my responsibility. I'm going to serve. I'm going to do stuff. Yeah? There's an eagerness. In the first and the second one, he goes off and gains two more. But the man who received one bag, he went off, he dug a hole in the ground, and he hid his master's money. Why did he do that? Well, he did that because he didn't love his master. And this money became like an irritation, like, oh, no. Now look. Oh, I'll tell you what, dude. 
I'll bury it. Then I can forget about it. This guy is lazy. Lazy. This is, he is cannot be bothered. Don't want to get up in the morning. Don't want to do any work. This is a pain. I just want to be able to get on with my life. In fact, it's a shocker, right? When, we, when the master comes back, this third bloke, he goes, nah, it's your fault because you're a nasty master and you were going to be unkind to me if I lost your money, so I thought I'd bury it. Huh. Here's your money back. So he tries to blame the master, but the master just looks at him and goes, you wicked, lazy servant. You're lazy. I gave you a responsibility and you couldn't be bothered to do anything. Why? Because you don't love me. And it's all about that relationship. And Jesus gives us gifts. He has made you you a gifted Christian so that you can use it. He wants you to use the gifts. And sometimes that's a risk, right? Sometimes you're going to take risks. Sometimes you're going to try something. Listen, I reckon, might be wrong about this, but I reckon if the first guy had lost his five bags of gold, trying, trying his best, but to be honest, made a hash of it, I think the master would have said, well, well done for trying. You see, there's to be this sense of use the gift. Use what he's given you. Okay, so we're to use it, but what are we to use it for? Okay, back to 1 Peter 4. You should have that still open in front of you. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received for what? To serve others. Not to use it for self-promotion and glory, but to serve. See, here's the danger, isn't it? We take, the, we take the gift, we go, oh, Jesus, you've given me this great gift. Now I can make people look at me. Now I can use it to make a name for myself. I can use it to build myself up. That's just sick. And deeply destructive. No, Peter says, you use it to serve others. As you use the person that God has made you, as you use the gifts that he's given you, as you use the skills and the abilities and the personality and the relationships, as you use those things, you say, Jesus, I want to use them for you to serve. That's what it's about. All of it is serving. And just look now. You see what you're doing. Look at the end of verse 10. This is what you're doing. When you serve another Christian with the gifts that you've been given... Look what you're doing. Let's read all of verse 10 again. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. People will experience God's grace when you use the gifts he's given you in order to serve others. That's what's happening. And it's God's grace in its various forms. That literally that word is kind of like the multicolored grace of God. It's so different. We think of grace just as about Jesus dying on the cross and that's kind of it. No, 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 no. Every time I experience someone being kind to me, I experience God's grace in its various forms. Let me, let me tell you about one really practical time this happened to me. And um, we were once having a really bad day as a family. Um, which occasionally, occasionally happens. 
And, uh, you know, it was really bad. And our relationships were all slightly skewed. And we were angry with one another and grumpy. And I was very, very grumpy. And it was miserable, right? And I just wanted to get chips for tea. Because I didn't want to see anyone. I just wanted some chips. And, uh, and we <laughs> anyway, for some reason, and I can't even remember why we did this. But we did. We phoned one of the elders of the church. I mean, I was the pastor of the church at the time, so that was bad. And um, we phoned one of the other elders in the church. And I phoned him and I said, look, Paul, I'm having a really, we're having a really bad day. Could we come round to your house for tea in like half an hour? And what do you think he said? Of course he said yes. He said, yeah, of course you can. So I put the phone down and thought, oh, now we've got to go around there. I just want chip. All I want is chip. Literally, I just want chips because then I don't have to see anyone. And as we walked across the park, I can still remember it thinking, this is so stupid. We're imposing on them. They're going to be annoyed now because we've messed up their Saturday night. I don't even want to go. We went, we sat down, we had dinner with them, and it transformed our day. We had a fantastic time. And we experienced the grace of God through them. That's what church is about, right? That's what church should be about. As we serve one another, as we love one another, we experience the very grace of God. We needed God's grace on that day. We needed to... How were we going to experience it? The chip shop didn't have it. I've battered grace. There isn't any. They've got no grace in the chip shop. They've got fat, but they've got no grace, Right? We need other Christians. Christians who we can experience grace from. And that's the sort of church we want to be. A church that gives, gives, gives. A church that says, God has given to me. God has given me so much. And it's in the back of my van. Who can I deliver it to? Who can I offload this grace to? So that we can serve one another in its various forms. And there's all sorts of ways that we can serve. You know, he says, some of you, it may be speaking. If you speak, then speak the word of God. If you serve, then do it in God's power. Use the gifts God's given you to serve one another. And we want to be committed to being a church that is giving, deploying our gifts, opening up our delivery van and delivering it to one another. Taking what Jesus has entrusted, not burying it in the ground, but using it so that others experience God's grace. And it's multiplied, right? Because as I experience God's grace, and then I share that grace and administer that grace to others, they then become recipients of grace who then share that grace. You see how the five talents becomes ten? And so it is that we share God's grace. We don't serve others because God demands it. We serve because God gives us that privilege. Now, I don't know what particular areas that God has given you abilities in. I don't know what it is that particularly you find to be exciting or the ways in which you can serve. But can I say, let's be a church that wants to use those gifts. A church that's looking. You know, a church, perhaps you hear of someone who's got a financial need, and you just quietly put £100 in an envelope, anonymously give it to them. That sort of thing. That's what we're thinking about. 
That's how people experience grace. Have you ever experienced that sort of thing? Another Christian showing you kindness and thought, I've experienced the grace of God. Just one final point on this before we finish. If we're going to be those who serve like this, you have to be willing to receive it too. See, I think one of the things, like take hospitality, you know, offer hospitality to one another. You know, it's like, yeah, I'd have anyone around. I'd have anyone around for dinner. You can, anyone can come. But are you willing to be the one who served? Not just, yeah, yeah, I'm happy to serve, I'm happy to serve. Are you willing to be the one who's weak, the one who's in trouble, the one who allows others to serve you? That's pretty humbling. I don't want to be seen to be weak. I want to be strong. The reason I wanted chips is because I didn't want Paul to know that I was struggling and that I'd made a hash of the day. Are we willing to be vulnerable and weak and actually to say, I need help. Please help me. Because my guess is there isn't a single person, if there's a, there isn't a single Christian in this room, if someone came to them and said, will you please help me, wouldn't say, oh, I'm so glad you asked. And yet we're so slow. So I don't know what it is. I don't know how it is that you particularly can serve in the pers- as the person you are with the resources God has given you and the place that he's put you. But I know this, he has given you grace. He's filled your van full of it because he wants you to administer it to others. He wants you to be a steward. And we're committed to being a church that's training and helping each other to use our gifts wisely. Not a church that's boasting and competitive and wanting to be the best, but a church that loves to serve and give away. So why don't we take a moment to pray together. And it may be that for some of us, We haven't experienced the grace that God has for us. We've been in church, but we haven't ever really said, Jesus, I need that grace. Please would you forgive me. Thank you that you were willing to give me life. And if you've experienced that, then let's think through how we can show grace to one another. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we praise you this afternoon because you are the gift-giving God. We praise you that your very heart is to give. Thank you that you're not a demanding God who needs stuff from us. But you're the great giver who gives everything to us. And Father, please help us not to arrogantly think that's because we deserve it, because we're so wonderful and perfect and beautiful. Help us instead to see that your love is the love that makes us beautiful. Your love is the love that not that finds us perfect, but that makes us beautiful and worthy. Oh, Father, please help us to understand these things. And then help us to give, to love, to give. Help us to be full of serving, even this week as we meet to pray in different times. When we don't feel like meeting up to pray, help us to want to be there so we can give to others, to share, to love. Father, make us generous like you, we pray. Amen.